After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalid Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Aziz stated, I was narrating accounts about Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal in the previous sermon, and I will continue to do so today as well. Hazrat Muaz was extremely charitable and used to spend generously on others. Owing to this, he often had to take loans as well. When the people who had loaned him money pressured him to return the money, he hid in his home for a few days. Upon this, these individuals went to the Holy Prophet and requested him to ask Hazrat Muaz to pay back the loan. The Holy Prophet sent an individual to Hazrat Muaz and called for him. When the debt of Hazrat Muaz surpassed the value of his belongings, the Holy Prophet said that God will have mercy on the person who does not seek his portion. Accordingly, some individuals forgave this debt. However, some individuals still demanded for it to be paid back. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ distributed his entire belongings among those individuals, but still there was some debt outstanding. The way it transpired was that each lender received a small portion of their money, but they demanded for the remaining portion to be paid back as well. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said to leave the matter for the time being, as there is nothing more to give. Therefore, they ought to take that amount. When Hazrat Muaz was left with nothing, the Holy Prophet ﷺ sent him to Yemen and said that Allah will soon compensate your loss and enable you to pay off your debt. On this occasion, the Holy Prophet ﷺ also said to Hazrat Muaz, O Muaz, you have a lot of debt. Therefore, if you are presented with a gift, you may accept it. I permit you to do so. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said that he was permitted to accept presents. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal relates 
that when the Holy Prophet sent him to Yemen, under normal circumstances, there is nothing wrong with accepting gifts. And it is said that giving each other gifts increases the love between people, and so one ought to give gifts. However, since Hazrat Muaz was sent as a representative of the Holy Prophet he specifically instructed him that if he is presented with any gifts in his capacity as a representative, then he is permitted to spend it on himself. The reason for this was that these gifts were generally given for the treasury or for the Holy Prophet Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal relates that when the Holy Prophet sent him to Yemen, the Holy Prophet walked outside with him in order to give him some guidance. Hazrat Muaz was seated on his mount and the Holy Prophet walked alongside him. When the Holy Prophet completed what he had to say, he added, O Muaz, it is possible that we may not meet in the coming year. And it is also possible that you pass by my mosque and my grave. Hearing this, Hazrat Muaz started to weep profusely because he was parting from the Holy Prophet. Following this, the Holy Prophet turned his blessed face towards Medina and said, The righteous from among my people are near and dear to me, whoever they may be and wherever they may be. It is stated in one narration that on this occasion the Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Muaz Soon you shall go to those who are Ahl Kitab i.e. people of the book. When you reach them, invite them to bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah. If they accept this, then inform them that Allah has prescribed for them the five daily prayers. If they accept this, then inform them that Allah has prescribed for them the giving of alms, which should be taken from their wealthy and given to their poor. If they accept this as well, then beware, do not take alms from their most valuable possessions. Rather, adopt the middle course with regards to taking from their wealth. And beware of the supplications of the oppressed, for there is no barrier between them and Allah. The Holy Prophet specifically advised him to be cautious of the prayers of those who have been oppressed because there is no barrier between their pleas and Allah. The Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal to Yemen as a Qazi. Hazrat Muaz would teach the people the Holy Quran and matters of faith and would also settle their disputes. Those who collected the zakat in Yemen would send whatever they had collected to Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal. The Holy Prophet had entrusted five companions to oversee matters in Yemen. Hazrat Khalid bin Said, Hazrat Muhajir bin Umayyah, Hazrat Zayd bin Labid, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal and Hazrat Abu Musa Ash'ari. According to this narration, the administering of matters in Yemen was entrusted to these five companions. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal relates that when the Holy Prophet sent him to Yemen, he instructed for every 30 cattle, 
take a one-year-old calf as zakat, and for every cattle, take a two-year-old calf. The Holy Prophet was stipulating the prescribed rate of zakat and the threshold on which zakat becomes obligatory. And from every person who has reached the age of maturity, take one dinar or the equivalent in muafira, which was the name of a Yemeni cloth. In fact, muafira was the name of a tribe which made this cloth, and thus the cloth was named after them. This narration is from Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal. Allama ibn Ashaq states that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal had a slight limp. When he went to Yemen, he led the people in prayer, and whilst doing so, he extended his leg, meaning he must have placed it before him or extended it to the right or to whichever side his foot was impaired. And those following him in prayer also extended their legs in the same manner. When he had finished leading the prayer, Hazrat Muaz said, You have done well to follow exactly as I have done. However, you should not do this in future. I am compelled to extend my leg owing to my condition. What he meant was that the obedience which they had shown by doing exactly what he did was indeed praiseworthy. This, in fact, was the true obedience, as whatever the Imam does should be followed precisely. However, he was compelled to act in this way, and this was not the practice of the Holy Prophet Whoever was not compelled should offer their prayers according to the commandments, teachings and the practice adopted by the Holy Prophet Hazrat Muaz conducted business in Yemen using the money from Bayt al-Mal and repaid his debts with the profits he made. He was the first person to conduct business with the wealth given in the way of Allah the Almighty and this was done with the permission from the Holy Prophet He also accepted gifts as a result of which he eventually had 30 livestock animals. Thus he used this wealth according to the permission granted by the Holy Prophet which most certainly was for the purpose of repaying his debts. He conducted business only to the extent of using the profits to repay his debts. Or if he did not use the profits himself, it is also possible that if there was any surplus profit, he would retain it as remuneration for his work, for the advice he gave in spending the wealth and the efforts which he made. The Holy Prophet had given him permission for this, which is why he took it and repaid his debts. This fact seems the most correct, in that he would take a certain amount from the profits as a remuneration, or he took a set amount from the profit. Nevertheless, his actions were in line with the permission granted by the Holy Prophet After the demise of the Holy Prophet when Hazrat Muaz went to perform Hajj, he met Hazrat Umar, who had been appointed by Hazrat Abu Bakr to oversee matters pertaining to the Hajj. Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Muaz met on the day of Tarwiyah. They embraced each other and expressed their condolences to one another for the demise of the Holy Prophet Then they both sat on the ground and began conversing. It is written in Al-Istiyab, a book of history, that Hazrat Muaz was very generous. And it was due to this generosity and benevolence that he fell into debt. 
he went to the Holy Prophet and requested him to ask those whom he owed to forgive his debt. This is the same incident mentioned earlier, but from another source. The Holy Prophet made this request to those who he owed money to, but they refused to forgive the debt. Had they agreed to forgive the debts of Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal for anyone's sake, it would have been for the sake of the Holy Prophet as his rank and status was the greatest. Thus it could only have been for his sake that one would forgive the debts owed to them or would present financial sacrifices. However, as mentioned earlier, some people refused and said, O Messenger of Allah, we will take the debt owed to us. Then, in order to repay these debts, the Holy Prophet sold off the properties of Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, and Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal was left with nothing. In the same year as the conquest of Makkah, the Holy Prophet sent Hazrat Muaz as a governor for an area in Yemen. Here it becomes clear that he was sent in the capacity of a governor. Thus, any gifts he received in this capacity would have been considered a part of the treasury. He was the first person to conduct business from the treasury using the wealth given in the way of Allah. He remained in Yemen until the Holy Prophet's demise, by which time he had become affluent. During this period, his business became profitable and whatever portion he would take led him to become well off. Later, when he returned to Medina, Hazrat Umar said to Hazrat Abu Bakr that he, i.e. Hazrat Muaz, should be summoned and aside from the necessities he requires, the rest of his wealth should be taken off him. The Holy Prophet only granted him permission for the sake of repaying his debts and now his debts have been repaid. He should keep the basic necessities he requires. However, he should not have accumulated wealth, according to Hazrat Umar's estimation. Thus, aside from what is required, all other wealth should be returned. The matter was then presented before Hazrat Abu Bakr The degree of love which Hazrat Abu Bakr had for the Holy Prophet did not allow him to bear that he should make a decision contrary to something for which the Holy Prophet had granted permission. Thus, Hazrat Abu Bakr said, The Holy Prophet sent him, and I shall not take anything back from him. He sent him off, saying that he had permission to conduct business and use the profit from it, unless he wishes to return it to me himself, as I will not take anything from him. He went upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet and accepted gifts and other things with his permission. Unless he offers it to me himself, I shall not ask him. Hazrat Umar then went to Hazrat Muaz. Hazrat Umar was very resolute when it came to certain principles. So he went to Hazrat Muaz and mentioned this all to him. Hazrat Muaz replied, The Holy Prophet sent me so that I may fulfill my requirements, so I shall not give anything of it. It is also established through the various accounts and the biographies of his life that if he ever did pass through times of prosperity, they would only last for a few days, as he would regularly distribute his wealth among the people. 
we will see in the accounts later on just how he would distribute it. Hazrat Muaz thereafter went to Hazrat Umar and said, I accept what you said. Previously he said to Hazrat Umar that he would not give a thing. But after some time he went to Hazrat Umar and said he accepted and consented to what he had asked and would act according to what he said. For I saw a dream. He must have gone to him after some time because there is mention of a dream. He continued, I saw in the dream that I am drowning in the water and you, i.e. Hazrat Umar, rescued me. Hazrat Muaz then went to Hazrat Abu Bakr, related everything to him and vowed, I shall not hide a single thing from you, meaning from where and how he received the money. Hazrat Abu Bakr said, I shall not take a thing from you. Yes, you have related all of this to me and accounted for everything, but I shall take nothing from you, and I have given it all to you as a gift. Hazrat Umar, who was also present, said, This is the best solution. When he came to know of this, that now the Khalifa of the time has made a decision, even after he offered it all himself, Hazrat Umar said to Hazrat Muaz that this is good, and he accepted it out of complete obedience. It did not matter to him as to why it was being taken. All that mattered was that after the demise of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the decision should rest with the Khalifa of the time as to whether he should be able to spend it or not, or whether he could keep the wealth or not. Prior to this, Hazrat Umar was insisting that the wealth should be taken from Hazrat Maz, but when Hazrat Abu Bakr made his decision that he would not take it from him, and that he would give it all back to him as a gift. Hazrat Umar had nothing more to say and remained silent, then said, Of course, this is the best solution in this affair. Here, there is further clarification that God Almighty did not draw his attention to this until the needs of Hazrat Muaz had been fulfilled. Furthermore, with the passing of the Holy Prophet, Hazrat Muaz's needs were also fulfilled. He was granted prosperity and his debts were paid off. Only then did God Almighty turn his attention to this matter through a dream that he should now suffice on his own property. Now he should no longer accept gifts in the capacity of being a governor nor spend out of the treasury. He did not remain there for long after this, but in any case, this was a brief explanation. Hazrat Muaz relates that when the Holy Prophet sent him towards Yemen, he asked, How will you deal with the case when it is brought before you? He answered, I shall decide in accordance with the Book of Allah. The Holy Prophet then asked, And if you do not find the command in the Book of Allah? To which Hazrat Muaz replied, I shall decide in accordance with the practice of Allah's Messenger. The Holy Prophet ﷺ then asked, And if you do not find the instruction in the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah? Hazrat Muaz answered, I shall form my opinion according to my reasoning and shall not show any carelessness in this regard. Hazrat Muaz states that when the Holy Prophet ﷺ had listened to these three things, he hit his hand on my chest and said, All praise belongs to Allah. All praise belongs to Allah, who has enabled the ambassador of the Messenger of Allah to become a source of joy for him.
Hazrat Muaz narrates that when the Holy Prophet sent him to Yemen, he instructed him not to adopt a life of comfort and ease because the servants of Allah do not live a life of worldly comforts. This further clarifies that the Holy Prophet was aware that Hazrat Muaz was very generous and that he would spend the wealth from gifts and trade to help those in need. Even so, after giving permission for this, the Holy Prophet advised him not to live a life of comfort. Instead, it was merely to fulfill his basic needs. So he admonished him to refrain from this. Hazrat Muaz relates, When I placed my foot in the stirrup as I was about to depart for Yemen, the Holy Prophet gave me a final piece of advice, saying, Meet people in a courteous manner. Meet people in a courteous manner. Look at the state of the Muslims nowadays. Are they behaving themselves in this manner when they celebrate Milad al-Nabi? The true essence of celebrating this is to follow the example of the Holy Prophet and to act upon his teachings. When he sent Hazrat Muaz as the governor of Yemen, he described his status in the following words, Inni ba'athtu lakum khayra ahli, meaning, surely I send to you the best of my people. Ibn Abi Naji narrates that the Holy Prophet appointed Hazrat Muaz as the governor of Yemen, stating to the people of Yemen, Indeed, I have sent to you a governor who is the most knowledgeable of my people and the most well-versed in the matters of faith. In a hadith of Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal, it is mentioned that Hazrat Muaz anhu relates, The Holy Prophet gave me ten instructions, saying, The first is to not associate any partners with Allah, even if you are killed or thrown into the fire. Secondly, to not disobey one's parents, even if your house and wealth is taken from you. You should not disobey your parents, no matter what happens, and regardless if you receive nothing from them. The third advice is to not miss any obligatory prayers knowingly. For one who abandons an obligatory prayer on purpose deprives himself from the support and protection of God Almighty. He then said, Never consume alcohol, for this is the root of every indecency. He then stated, Abstain from sin and disobedience, because sin draws the displeasure of God Almighty. He then said, when facing the enemy in battle, you must never flee. If you are confronted by the enemy, then you should not run away out of fear, even if the people are killed. He then stated, if the people are afflicted with an epidemic such as the plague, they should remain where they are. If they reside in an area where there is an outbreak of the plague, then the Holy Prophet 
has instructed that one should remain where they are. The Holy Prophet further stated, Spend on your family according to your means. Fulfill their rights and do not show any negligence in their moral training. Even if he had to show a little strictness in their moral training, then he should do so to ensure for a good upbringing. Instill the fear of God in them. These were the ten things the Holy Prophet advised him about. Hazrat ibn Umar narrates that the Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Muaz, O Muaz, I shall grant you advice like a kind-hearted brother. I advise you to instill the fear of Allah in you. I advise you to instill the fear of Allah in you. Visit the sick. Fulfill the needs of the widows and the elderly. Comfort those who are in need. Dispense justice. Speak the truth and never allow your fear of being rebuked to stop you in matters relating to God. This is the advice I give to you. On one occasion, Hazrat Umar asked his companions to express their desire for something. One of them replied, I wish this house be filled with gold so I could spend it in the way of Allah as sadqa. Another one stated, I wish this house be filled with pearls and rubies so that I could spend it in the way of Allah as sadqa. How lofty were the aspirations of the companions. Hazrat Umar then asked them to further express what they desired. They submitted, O leader of the faithful, we do not understand as to what it is that we should desire. Hazrat Umar stated, I wish that this house be filled with people like Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, Salim, the freed slave of Abu Huzaifa, and Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman. I have mentioned this narration previously as well, and this time it has been rated with reference to Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal. Hazrat Muaz lived in Yemen for two years, from 9 Hijri to 11 Hijri. On one occasion, Hazrat Umar bin Khattab placed 400 dinar in a money pouch and told one of his emissaries to take it to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah and remain there for a while and to take note of what he did with it. This account was mentioned in the previous sermon with reference to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah, but I did not mention the entire account. However, I shall narrate the full account now. And so the emissary went to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah with a small pouch of money and said, The leader of the faithful has given this to you and said you may use it to fulfill any need you may have with it. Hazrat Abu Ubaidah replied, May Allah bestow his mercy upon him. He then called one of his maidservants and told her to give seven dinars to such such person, five dinars to such and such, and five to such and such, and in this way he distributed the entire amount. In other words, he called his maidservant and asked her to distribute all the wealth to the various houses who perhaps were in need of it. The emissary returned to Hazrat Umar and related the entire incident. 
Hazrat Umar had prepared another pouch for Hazrat Muaz which contained an equal amount of money that was sent to Hazrat Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah. Hazrat Umar told the emissary to give the pouch to Hazrat Muaz and again instructed him to remain in his house for a while and to observe what he did with it. And so the emissary took the pouch and went to Hazrat Muaz and said, The leader of the faithful has said that you may use this to fulfill whatever needs you may have. Hazrat Muaz replied, May Allah bestow his mercy upon him. Hazrat Muaz then called his maidservant and told her to give a certain amount of such and such house and a certain amount of such and such house. Whilst Hazrat Muaz was distributing the wealth, his wife entered and said, By God, we are also in need for it, as there is nothing in the house. Please keep something for us as well. This narration further clarifies the other narration regarding making a profit and receiving gifts. His wife stated that they had nothing at home and thus they were too in need of it. By then all the money had been distributed and only two dinars remained in the pouch, which Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal handed over to his wife. The emissary returned to Hazrat Umar and related the entire incident. Hazrat Umar was extremely pleased by this incident and stated, Indeed, Hazrat Ubaidah and Hazrat Muaz are like two brothers. In other words, this attribute of spending was shared by both. It is narrated by Shurayh bin Ubaid, Rashid bin Saad, etc. that when Hazrat Umar reached Sarh, which is the name of a settlement situated near the valley of Tabuk, he was informed that there was a severe outbreak of a plague in Syria. Subsequently, Hazrat Umar announced, I have been informed that there is a very severe outbreak of the plague in Syria. Thus, if I am about to die and Abu Ubaidah is alive, then I shall appoint him as the Khalifa. And if Allah the Almighty asks me as to why I appointed him as the Khalifa of the Muslim Ummah, I will submit that I heard his messenger وسلم, say that every prophet is granted a custodian and the custodian of his Ummah is Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah. This narration has been previously mentioned as well. However, people expressed their concern over this and inquired as to what would happen to the prominent members of the Quraysh, i.e. the Banu Fair. Hazrat Umar then stated, If my demise is imminent and Abu Ubaidah Jarrah has also passed away, then I shall appoint Muaz bin Jabal as the Khalifa. If my Lord, the Glorious and Exalted, were to ask me as to why I appointed him, I will submit that I heard his messenger say, that on the Day of Judgment, Muaz bin Jabal will walk ahead of the scholars of the faith. This was the lofty status Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal occupied in regards to his knowledge. In the Battle of Yarmouk in 15 Hijri, Hazrat Abu Ubaidah and Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal were appointed commanders on the right flank of the army. The Christians attacked with such intensity that the right flank of the army broke away from the rest of the army and consequently the soldiers became dispersed. Upon witnessing these circumstances, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal displayed great courage and remained resolute. He stepped down from his horse and said that he would now fight on foot and if there was anyone who could do justice by fighting on a horse, then his horse was at their service. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal's son was also present in the battlefield and said, 
I shall do justice to it because I can fight better on horse. And so both father and son penetrated into the Byzantine forces and fought so valiantly that the Muslims who had initially lost their footing were now able to regroup and thus by defeating the enemy their state of fear was transformed into victory for the Muslims. Abu Idris Khulani narrates that when he entered into the mosque in Damascus, Syria, he saw a young man with bright shining teeth and people were sat around him. Whenever people had a difference of opinion on a matter, they would present the matter to him and give precedence to his opinion on the matter. When I inquired about him, I was informed that he was Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal. The next day in the afternoon, I went again and saw that he was already there before me and was offering his prayers. I waited and when he finished his prayer, I went before him and expressed my salam. I then said, I swear by Allah, I love you for his sake. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal asked, Do you swear by Allah? I replied, Yes. I swear by Allah. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal again asked, Do you swear by Allah? I again replied, Yes, I swear by Allah. Hazrat Muaz then took hold from the corner of my cloak and pulled me towards himself and said, Rejoice, for I have heard the Messenger of Allah say, Allah the Exalted states, Those who show love to one another for my sake, those who sit with one another for my sake, those who meet one another for my sake, and those who spend their wealth for one another for my sake will most surely be granted my love. In other words, Allah the Almighty's love will become incumbent for them. In one of the narrations, it states that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal had two wives. When it would be the turn of one wife, he would not even take water to drink from the other wife's house. Such was his standards of justice. In another narration, it states that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal had two wives. When it would be the turn of one wife, he would not even perform the ablution in the house of the other. Both of his wives passed away in Syria owing to the plague, and both were buried in one grave. Whilst they were being buried, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal drew lot to decide who would be lowered into the grave first. This was the level of justice he possessed. In another narration in Sira Sahaba, it is stated that Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal had two wives who passed away due to the plague of Amwas. This was a plague that spread during that era. And it is also reported that one of his sons, Abdurrahman, who took part in the Battle of Yarmouk alongside Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal, also passed away due to the plague of Amwas. When Hazrat Abu Baida passed away due to the plague of Amwas, Hazrat Umar appointed Hazrat Muaz as the governor of Syria. I previously mentioned the details in relation to Amwas, which was the name of a settlement situated seven miles from Yarmala in the direction of Jerusalem. Hazrat Muaz also passed away due to the plague of Amwas in the same year. Kasir bin Murra relates that during the period of his illness, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal told them, I have heard the Holy Prophet say something, which until now I have hidden from you. I heard the Holy Prophet say, that entrance into paradise will become incumbent for the one who states there is none worthy of worship except Allah. In another narration, it states that Hazrat Muaz stated, The only reason why I did not inform you of this hadith was lest you solely relied on this and abandoned all other good deeds.
When the plague spread in Syria, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal also became ill due to the plague, and owing to his illness, was overcome with a state of unconsciousness. When he regained consciousness, he stated, O oh Allah, cause this affliction to take over me. I swear by your honor that indeed you are aware that I love you. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal again fell unconscious, and when he regained consciousness, he again offered the same prayer. Nearer to the time of his demise, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal asked if it was morning and was informed that it was not morning yet. When morning arrived, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal was subsequently informed, and he said, I seek refuge in Allah from the night whose morning takes one into the hellfire. I welcome death and to meet my beloved who comes after a long time. O oh Allah, you indeed know that I fear you, but today I am in hope. I do not love the world and seek a long life so that I can dig streams and plant trees, rather so that I may endure the intense thirst of midday and the difficulties of my circumstances and sit in the company of those scholars who remain occupied in your remembrance. In another narration it is mentioned that when Hazrat Muaz was close to his demise, he began to cry. Some people asked him why he was crying, as he was a companion of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. He replied, I am not crying because I fear death, nor am I crying because I am departing this world. The reason why I am crying is because there are only two groups of people, those who are heaven-bound and those who are hell-bound, and I do not know from which of these groups I will be raised up again after death. I only fear Allah the Almighty, and that is why I am crying. In Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal, there is a narration of Hazrat Muaz in which he states, I heard the Holy Prophet ﷺ say, Very soon you will migrate to Syria, and it will be conquered at your hands. But then you will suffer from an outbreak of a disease which will consist of boils and blisters, and will spread in such a manner whereby nobody would be able to escape it, Allah will grant martyrdom to some people through this and will purify their deeds. O oh Allah, if it is true that indeed Muaz bin Jabal heard these words from the Holy Prophet ﷺ, then grant him and his family a large share from it. Thus they all suffered from this plague and not a single one survived. When the boil of the plague became visible on Hazrat Muaz's index finger, he would say that this pleased him greatly and that even if he were given red camels, it would not please him more. In Tabari, it is stated that a boil developed in the palm of his hand. He would look at this boil and kiss the back of the same hand, saying, There is nothing in this world that I would exchange for this. Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal passed away in 18 Hijri. There are varying opinions with regards to his age at the time of his demise. His age has been recorded as 33, 34 or 38 years old. The total number of narrations by Hazrat Muaz is 157. Two of these hadiths are such that are found in both Bukhari and Muslim. The next companion whose accounts I shall narrate is Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr. Hazrat Abdullah belonged to the Banu Salama clan of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. His father's name was Amr bin Haram and his mother's name was Rabab bin Qais. Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was born approximately 40 years before the migration. In other words, at the time of the migration to Medina, he was 40 years old. Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was the father of the renowned companion Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah. 
Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was the brother-in-law of Hazrat Amr bin Jammu. Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr took part in the second pledge at Aqaba and he was among the 12 chiefs appointed by the Holy Prophet He took part in the Battle of Badr and Uhud and was martyred in the latter. According to some narrations, Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was the first Muslim to be martyred during the Battle of Uhud. With regards to how he accepted Islam, Hazrat Qab bin Malik narrates, We had agreed to meet with the Holy Prophet at Aqaba in the middle day of Ayyam Tashriq, which is the last three days of Hajj, from 11th up to 13th Dhul Hijjah. As mentioned before, Aqaba is situated between Makkah and Mina. When we completed the Hajj, the appointed night approached in which we had promised to meet the Holy Prophet We went with Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr, who was one of the leaders and recognized chiefs of our tribe. We had concealed our plan from the idolaters who were with us. We said to him, O Abu Jabir, you are our noble chief and among the leaders from us. He was known by his title of Abu Jabir. He further narrates, We said to him, O Abu Jabir, you are our noble chief and among the leaders from us. We do not wish for you to become the fuel of the hellfire. We then invited him to accept Islam and informed him about the plan to meet with the Holy Prophet in Aqaba. He accepted Islam and took part in the pledge at Aqaba. He was also appointed as one of the chiefs. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah narrates that he, along with his father and two maternal uncles, were all part of those who pledged allegiance at Aqaba. A narrator, Ibn Uayna, states that one of them was Hazrat Bara bin Ma'rur. I have narrated the details about the second pledge at Aqaba from Sirat Khatman Nabiyin previously in relation to one companion. In fact, it was in relation to two companions. I will mention some parts about the pledge at Aqaba from Sirat Khatman Nabiyin, which are related with Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr. In Dhul Hijjah of 13 Nabawi, on the occasion of Hajj, many hundreds of people from the Aws and the Khazraj came to Makkah. Among them, there were 70 such people who had either become Muslim or now desired to become Muslims and came to Makkah in order to meet the Holy Prophet ﷺ. On this occasion, since a collective and private meeting was necessary, after the rites of Hajj, the middle dates of the month of Dhul Hijjah were set for this purpose. On that day, near the middle of the night, all these people were to come and meet with the Holy Prophet ﷺ in the same valley as last year, so that a private meeting could be held in peace and complete attention.
The Holy Prophet ordered the Ansar that do not come as a group but arrive in pairs of one or two to the valley at the appointed time. Do not wake the sleeping and do not wait for the absent. Therefore, when the appointed date arrived, during the night, when about a third of the night had passed, the Holy Prophet ﷺ left his home. He took his uncle Abbas along with him, who was still an idolater, but loved the Holy Prophet ﷺ and was a chieftain of the Hashim dynasty. Both of them reached this valley, and it was not long before the Ansar began to arrive in pairs of one and two. There were seventy souls from the Aus and Khazraj. In the very beginning, Abbas began the discourse, saying, O party of the Khazraj, Muhammad is revered and beloved within his dynasty. To this day, his dynasty has always remained responsible for his protection and in times of danger has always come forward. But now Muhammad intends to leave his homeland and reside with you. As such, if you wish to take him, you must protect him in every way and will have to face every enemy. If you are prepared for this, then well and good. Otherwise, give a forthright answer, for true speech is good. Bara bin Marur, an aged and influential man from the tribe of the Ansar, said, Abbas, we have heard your address, but we would like to hear the Holy Prophet from his own blessed tongue, that he may expound the responsibility which he wishes to put upon us. Upon this, the Holy Prophet recited a few verses from the Holy Quran and described the teachings of Islam in a brief address. Whilst alluding to Hukukullah and Hukukul Abad, the Holy Prophet said, With regards to myself, all I desire is that just as you protect your dear ones and your kindred, if need be, you deal with me in the same manner. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ had completed his address, as per the custom of Arabia, Al-Bara bin Marur took the hand of the Holy Prophet ﷺ into his own hand and said, O Messenger of Allah, we swear by God who has sent you with the truth that we shall protect you with our lives. They pleaded to do this, but one person asked the Holy Prophet ﷺ that when he will be granted victory, will he leave them? The Holy Prophet ﷺ laughed and said, Your blood shall be mine, your friends shall be my friends, and your enemies shall be my enemies. Upon this, Abbas bin Abada Ansari looked to his companions and said, O people, do you understand the purpose of this treaty and pledge? This means that you should prepare yourselves to confront everyone, no matter who they may be and irrespective of their background. And you should be ready to offer any sacrifice. The people said, Yes, we understand. But, O Messenger of Allah, what shall we receive in exchange for this? The Holy Prophet said, You will receive the paradise of Allah, which is the greatest of all his rewards. Everyone said, We agree to this bargain. O Messenger of Allah, extend your hand. The Holy Prophet ﷺ brought forth his blessed hand, and this group of 70 devotees were sold at the hand of the Holy Prophet ﷺ in a defensive pact. 
The name of this bayt is the second bayt at Aqaba. When the bayt had taken place, the Holy Prophet said, Moses appointed twelve chiefs among his people who served as their supervisors and protectors. I also wish to appoint twelve chiefs from among you who shall be your supervisors and your protectors. They shall be like the disciples of Jesus unto me, and they shall be answerable to me regarding the people. As such, propose the names of worthy men before me. Therefore, twelve men were proposed, who the Holy Prophet approved, and appointing each as a supervisor to one tribe, he explained to them their duties. For some tribes, the Holy Prophet appointed two chiefs. In any case, Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was also appointed as one of these twelve chiefs. According to one narration, during the Battle of Uhud, when Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, who was the leader of the hypocrites in Medina, rebelled, Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr tried to advise him and those with him. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah narrates, My father, Abdullah bin Amr, and my maternal uncle were martyred during the Battle of Uhud. My mother, according to other narrations, it was his aunt, who was the wife of Hazrat Amr bin Jammu, was taking their bodies back to Medina on a camel when a messenger from the Holy Prophet announced that the deceased should be buried where they were slain. Subsequently, both of them were taken back and buried where they fought. In another narration, Hazrat Anas bin Malik states, During the Battle of Uhud, news reached the people of Medina that the Holy Prophet had been martyred. Upon hearing this news, the people became anxious and restless. One Ansari woman made her way towards Uhud, and on the way she saw the bodies of her father, son, husband and brother laying on the floor. The narrator continues, I do not know whose body she came across first. She asked, Who are these people? She was informed that they were the bodies of her father, her brother, her husband and her son. She asked, how is the Messenger of Allah? The people informed her that the Holy Prophet was standing before her. She went to the Holy Prophet and held on to his mantle, saying, O Messenger of Allah, may my parents be sacrificed for your sake. Seeing you alive and well, I have no worry for any departed one. Two or three years prior to his Khilafat, Hazrat Khalifat Masih IV would deliver speeches during the Jalsa Salana on the topic of the life and character of the Holy Prophet and also about expeditions. He related an incident about Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr, which I will narrate here. He stated that the sister of Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr, i.e. the wife of Hazrat Amr bin Jammu, like her brother, had immense love for the Holy Prophet her husband was martyred in this battle, her brother was martyred in this battle, and also her son was martyred in this battle. However, the joy of learning about the well-being of the Holy Prophet ﷺ overpowered any grief of her departed ones. Hazrat Aisha Siddiqah narrates, I was going towards the battlefield to inquire about the situation. On the way, I met Hind, the wife of Amr bin Jammu, holding the reins to a camel which she was taking towards Medina. I asked her about the situation in the battlefield. She replied, Alhamdulillah, all is well. The Holy Prophet ﷺ is alive and well. 
In the meantime, I noticed the camel was loaded with something. I inquired what was loaded on the camel, to which he replied, It is the bodies of my husband, Amr bin Jammu, my brother, Abdullah bin Amr, and my son, Khalad. Saying this, she tried to return towards Medina. However, the camel sat down and refused to move. When it eventually stood up, it refused to go in the direction of Medina. She then moved the reins in the direction of Uhud, to which the camel began moving without any reluctance. Hazrat Qribd Masih the fourth Rahimahullah then says, This was the condition of this woman and her love for the Holy Prophet ﷺ. At the same time, the Holy Prophet ﷺ ordered the companions to search for the bodies of Amr bin Jammu and Abdullah bin Amr and for them to be buried in the same grave as they had love for each other in this world also. The Holy Prophet ﷺ held both of them in high regard. In one narration it is stated that when Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr was about to depart for the battle of Uhud, he called his son Hazrat Jabir and said, O my son, I believe I will be among the foremost martyrs. By Allah, aside from the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, there is no one dearer to me from among those I leave behind than you. I have some debt. Repay the debt for me. I also command you to show kindness and benevolence to your sisters. Hazrat Jabir then relates, The next morning, my father was the first to be martyred, and the enemy cut off his nose and ears. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah narrates, When the Holy Prophet ﷺ came for the burial of the martyrs of Uhud, he said, Bury them in the state they are in, as I am a witness over them. No Muslim who was injured in the way of Allah will come before Allah on the Day of Judgment, except with blood flowing from their wounds. The colour of the blood will be saffron, but will smell like musk. In other words, they will be among the chosen ones of Allah the Almighty. There is no need to bathe them or bury them in special clothes, as they ought to be buried in the way they were martyred. Hazrat Jabir states that his father was wrapped in a single sheet. The Holy Prophet would ask who knew the most Quran. Whilst the martyrs of Uhud were being buried, the Holy Prophet would inquire who knew the most Quran from those being buried. When they would indicate towards someone, the Holy Prophet would instruct to lower him into the grave before his compatriots. In other words, those who knew more of the Quran were buried first. And about Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr, the people would say that he was the first to be martyred on the day of Uhud. At the time, the people were discussing that Abdullah bin Amr was the first to be martyred. Sufyan bin Abdi Shams was the one who martyred him. The Holy Prophet led his funeral prayers before the second attack and instructed for Abdullah bin Amr and Amr bin Jammu to be buried in the same grave as they had love and respect for each other. The Holy Prophet ﷺ instructed that those who had a close bond in this world ought to be buried in the same grave. It is stated that Abdullah bin Amr had a reddish complexion and did not have hair towards the front. He was not very tall, whereas Amr bin Jammu was tall, and for this reason both were easily recognizable and were buried in the same grave. God willing, I shall narrate the remaining accounts in the future sermon. Alhamdulillah, 